Hey, my friend, welcome along to the Medicinal Chef's Nutrition Nuggets podcast, helping you get clarity on nutrition. I'm Dale Pinnock, the Medicinal Chef, best-selling author, nutritionist, and creator of Nutrition Coaching Monthly. Every week here in the podcast, I'm going to be answering your questions and discussing key topics around the field of nutrition to help give you clarity and to expand your knowledge. Hey folks, how you doing? Hope you guys are well and you've had a fantastic week. A little bit grim this week, kind of looking out my office window now recording this and it is absolute steroids. But you know what? I'm not a massive fan of the hot weather in this country particularly, so I'm kind of welcoming this a little bit. It's quite nice to see the temperatures changing. Anyway, I'm waffling on about nothing as usual. So this week's podcast is a listener question. So thank you guys, the guys that have been sending questions in. Some of them I've covered already. Um, But this one is something that I've not really spoken about a great deal. This one is coming in from Karina. Uh, Karina says, hi Dale, how are you? Loving your podcast. They're such a great source of honest, evidence-based nutrition information. Thank you very much, Karina. The check is in the post. (laughs) Uh, It says, please can you do a podcast on food and asthma? I'm trying to learn more about asthma so I can help my son who's six. We see a pediatrician and, and asthma nurse for his medication and I'll continue to do so. Good. Absolutely. I just want to understand if there are any foods that could potentially help or make it worse. So Karina, thank you very much for that. This is, you know, this is something that isn't really that widely spoken about, but you know what? I think diet can play a role and let's underline that word, right? Let's underline playing a role. You know, it certainly I wouldn't I wouldn't say to people that diet and nutritional therapy would be uh, a super valid treatment as a standalone i don't think you know in and of itself it is the answer but you know what it is part of the of the protocol like any kind of inflammatory condition diet can play a role okay so let's look at what asthma actually is asthma eczema hay fever those three conditions believe it or not are exactly the same condition they just manifest themselves within different tissues, body systems. They're what we call a type 2 hypersensitivity reaction, okay? It's where there is a very um, aggressive localized redu- localized release. Come on, get your teeth in. It is 7.57 in the morning, you know. Um, and I've only had one coffee, so you, to be expected. So it's a localized release of histamine. Histamine is a substance that is released by mast cells, a certain type of immune cell, that causes a very aggressive local inflammatory response. You know, if you, if you get a rash or if you get hay fever, you would take some kind of antihistamine to tone down that histamine response. These three conditions, asthma, eczema, hay fever, are what we call the atopic triad. And you often find that in families, you get Uh, a long-running history of someone having one or other of those conditions. Someone might have hay fever, the next person might have asthma, and so on. And obviously, it can really, really vary in terms of its severity. Some people could just have mild um, respiratory difficulty now and again in certain scenarios. Other people are absolutely, completely and utterly reliant on on their inhalers for a great deal of the time. 
So one of the things that we've certainly ascertained is that there is no asthma diet. There is no kind of absolute guidelines that we can say, yep, this has been really, really widely researched. This has had this study done in this kind of context. That information just is not available. So the information that I'm going to give you, Karina, is just a logical and perfectly safe approach. And the fact that you're not looking for any other any kind of alternative, if you're asking me for an alternative, I wouldn't have answered the question because as you guys know by now, I have no interest in being an alternative. I'm not into alternative medicine. I'm into the steps that we can take to actively engage in our own healthcare, regardless of what other kind of treatment protocol we are undergoing and how we can do that safely and effectively. So the recommendations that I'm going to give are just my logical conclusion based on my opinion, based on my understanding of the role that these different foods and nutrients can play and how that will fit into the whole pathophysiological picture. This isn't based on any kind of published research because there is virtually none. Okay, so let's jump into it. The first thing that really springs to my mind is, is there any way to reduce that localized histamine. Now, there's some evidence to show that the flavonoid quercetin can reduce mast cell degranulation. Now, histamine is contained within the mast cells in little granules, and when the mast cell actually comes into contact with a specific antigen, it will release the histamine from these granules into the local area, which causes aggressive vasodilation and all the rest of it, all of the things that we associate with that acute inflammatory response. Now, quercetin in the right, you know, in the right doses can reduce mast cell degranulation. And it has been compared in some in some studies to oral antihistamine products. And it has performed to a similar degree. Now, these doses, you know, I have to admit, these aren't the doses that you find in food. You find quercetin in things like red onions, for example. Um, but these, this has been using oral quercetin supplements. So that's the first thing I would say. I would say maybe consider a quercetin supplement. Quite easy to find, very, very, you know, very, very common. Uh, brands like Solgar, probably Viridian as well will do one of those. Very easy to come by. That's the first thing. And then obviously you can build those foods into the diet. You can add things like red onions to the diet like very, very easily. Obviously, he's six years old, so how adventurous his palate is, I don't know. But, you know, it's another thing to consider. And then really, I guess the rest of the protocol, from my point of view, would be really reducing inflammation, really trying to get inflammation at bay. And anyone that's followed my work for longer than 10 minutes has got an inkling as to what's coming next. Of course, we're talking about EPA. There's one specific omega-3 fatty acid. Remember, omega-3 isn't one single nutrient. Omega-3 is an entire family of fatty acids. This one particular omega-3 fatty acid, EPA, when our body metabolizes it, it helps our body to produce high levels of its own inbuilt anti-inflammatory substance called a series 3 prostaglandin which really helps to pull inflammation down doesn't get rid of it but it helps to manage it a little bit more effectively than doing nothing yeah okay that's logical <laughs> um epa definitely 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 look at getting a supplement very easy to come by obviously what i would recommend for you for for a 6 year old EPA and DHA, because the DHA is going to benefit the development of his brain and his nervous system, um, just as, as a good 
health supporter. So find yourself a good EPA and DHA. There's products like Eskimo 3 that do a liquid um, omega-3 for children. Wiley's Finest also do a liquid omega-3 for children. You must make sure it has EPA and DHA in it. If it doesn't state the EPA and DHA content, don't take the supplement. Those two that I recommended, Eskimo 3 and Wiley's Finest, will have really good doses of EPA and DHA in them. The DHA is there just to support the development and growth of his brain and nervous system. The EPA is really targeting the asthma. It's really, really targeting the... Well, no, it's... Okay, let's backtrack a little bit. It's targeting excessive inflammation okay so that'd be the first thing get the epa in there also you know there's been some evidence if, if you look around there's you know there's some recommendation to increase intake of um carotenoids so things like beta carotene you find that in mangoes sweet potatoes orange peppers carrots those kinds of things orange colored fruits and vegetables a little sip of coffee got to be done those orange-coloured fruits and vegetables, the orange colour pigment is given by carotenoids, by beta-carotene, that plant form of vitamin A that has a multitude of benefits in the body, but does deliver some anti-inflammatory activity. Okay, now, the reason I picked up that coffee and had a little sip, one, is because, you know, it's early in the morning and still need the kickstart, but two, there is also some data to show that little amounts of caffeine can be helpful to have a mild vasodilatory effect. Obviously, for a six-year-old, maybe just like a weak tea or something like that could be quite helpful, potentially. Again, these are, these are only very, very small studies that have revealed this. There's not been any kind of large-scale study on the subject, but these are just a few of the things that I found whilst I was doing my research for this answer for you. And so, yeah, I guess overall what we're looking at is just ways of tackling that inflammation. That's going to be the real key, Karina, okay, from a dietary point of view. And there isn't like a really massively long protocol. If he's happy to eat oily fish, absolutely get it into the diet, but make sure you get the supplement. Oh, by the way, the supplements that I recommended are liquids and you can stir them into yogurts. You can stir them into something with a nice palatable flavor so that they're not off-putting for him. Obviously, liquid omega-3 is a little bit weird, you know, from a from a mouthfeel point of view. I mean, it's it can it can be hard enough for adults, so for kids that might be a bit of an ask. But they blend beautifully with um, with yogurts and things like that. So you could stir it in, and he would not know that it's there. They generally have got like a fruit sort of flavour to them. So that can be useful. Then try and get more colours into the diet in any way that you can. So the, the broader the broader spectrum of colours, the broader spectrum of phytochemicals, antioxidants, those kind of things. And you're guaranteed to get a good hit of both the quercetin that I spoke about. Quercetin is quite an abundant flavonoid that you'll find in, in a lot of plant foods. Very, very rich in onions, as we said. Um, and then you'll also get the carotenoids that can have that anti-inflammatory activity as well. And then maybe looking at like a weak tea, maybe some green tea if you'll if you'll have it, something like that, because there is that little link with caffeine having some some mild bronchiodilatory activity as well. So there we go, Karina. I hope that's useful for you. Um, like I say, there hasn't been vast amounts of studies done on the subject, just small things here and there. But from a logical point of view, 
for me, certainly certainly when I approach, I mean, obviously, um, when I used to work in clinical practice, I, I practiced both uh, nutritional therapy and herbal medicine. And with a lot of the atopic conditions, particularly, well, eczema and hay fever, there was a lot that you could do with herbs. But asthma was all, always a little bit trickier. There are some very, very potent, what we would call Schedule 3 herbs that can be very effective at being a bronchiodilator. But one, you couldn't get those off the shelf. And two, you'd have to work with a very, very experienced practitioner to give those kinds of herbs to children because they are serious. I mean, they're restricted for a reason because you can potentially overdo them. If you want a recommendation for a good herbalist, then some of my colleagues that I trained with, I would be more than happy to refer you to. Anyway, there we go. That wraps things up for this week's podcast. Remember, here in the podcast, some weeks I will just talk about a certain subject that I find that I tend to get a lot of questions on. And then when you guys send me direct questions to answer, I will build a podcast around those specific subjects as well. So if you want me to answer a question here in the podcast, drop me an email, dale at themedicinalchef.co.uk. Dale at themedicinalchef.co.uk and I will get on the case. Obviously, if it's something that's already been answered in previous podcasts, I'll direct you to the ones that, that I've addressed it in. If it's something new, we'll get it in. Not a problem. So, just got to say one thing. If nutrition is something that interests you, if the subject is something that fascinates you, if you want to develop a career in the nutrition field but don't necessarily want to go off to, to university and train to be a, a, a nutritionist but you just want to understand the subject more deeply or if you want to get a better grip on the subject so you can maintain your own health, the health of your family, and actually be able to draw conclusions from an evidence base, then why don't you check out the diploma course that I've created? Already we've got hundreds and hundreds of students from all over the world taking part. It's become an absolute runaway. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It is my diploma in culinary medicine. The diploma in culinary medicine basically teaches you the science of nutrition, teaches you this stuff in depth. We go through the different body systems, digestive system, immune system, um, food and mental health, all of that kind of stuff. Teach you the science, how your body works, how the, the key structures and functions operate in health, then how they change during disease processes, and then look at diet, both in terms of how diet could potentially cause these breakdowns and these um, disease patterns, or, as is more often the case, to be, to be honest, how diet can be used as a therapeutic intervention, both in its own right or as an adjunct to other kinds of approaches. Now, this doesn't train you to be a clinical practitioner. What this trains you to do is... The second part of this, being a diploma in culinary medicine, is, is just advise people ever about how to incorporate key changes in their diet when they have these kinds of issues that they're concerned about. Because the, the main crux of this course is that we give you all of that science and train you in all of that, but then show you how to plan meals and create dishes based on applying that science. So if you're working with cardiovascular disease, we might teach you about you know, the influence of inflammation and excess triglycerides on cardiovascular disease risk. And then we'll show you how to put together a menu to actually tackle that. Things that will like reduce excess triglyceride formation and then also bring triglycerides down to buffer inflammation, to increase the health of the, you know, enhance the health of the endothelium. All of this kind of stuff. Look, I'm just pulling things out of the sky. But this is the information we give you. We show you how 
to actually apply it in day-to-day life. So, you know, whether you're a, a chef, whether you're a blogger, whether you're a personal trainer, whether you're someone that just wants answers, then check out this course. This is a one of a kind. There's nothing like it out there. Developed by me over several years. We've got some amazing guest teachers as well. There's Dr. Gemma Newman, who's a family GP. She teaches on the module on food and mental health. We've got Dr. Alan Desmond, who is a uh, practicing gastroenterologist, a specialist on inflammatory bowel disease. He teaches on the digestion module. And we've got the wonderful Christine Bailey, good friend of mine, award-winning, nutritionist, journalist, broadcaster, wonderful, wonderful. She she teaches on our immunity module as well. Many other guest teachers. The whole thing is online, 100% online. There's no attendance. You don't have to travel anywhere. There's no time limits either. You just log in and start the course. And you can have a break. You can complete the thing in, in eight months. You can complete it in eight years. Completely flexible. So just head over to Culinary Medicine college.com culinarymedicinecollege.com and that will give you a bit of an overview of the course but you can also sign up for the free taster course as well sign up for that free taster course and you'll be able to get a feel for what it actually looks like in the platform how the information is delivered the different ways in which you can learn you can do a sample exam you can look at some of the coursework that you'll be expected to do and you'll get a really really good feel of what the full program is all about so that's it for this week my friends have a wonderful weekend whatever you get up to until next time see you later